Good morning, everybody. Welcome to We're Just Saying with I'm Just Saying. Uh, my co-host, David Coble, is out tanning his, uh, what he calls uh, gorgeous calves, but he is, uh, him and his wife are enjoying a much needed vacation. So happy to have him there, but also happy to have some few folks joining us. And and right now on the other line, uh, or holding on the other line, is Senator Todd Johnson. And before we put him on the show, let me have a few moments to brag about him. Um, Todd is a very powerful legislator in the General Assembly. He is a senator who serves with me and began serving with me at the same time. And he represents Union County and portions of Cabarrus, which you guys know is just south and east of where uh, we are here in the WSIC studios. Uh, He serves as one of the chairs of the Senate Commerce and Insurance Committee, and he is intricately involved in the forming legislation that focuses around insurance in North Carolina. And yes, folks, do not turn the dial. We are going to be talking insurance, but that is a big and hot topic of the day. Senator Todd Johnson, thank you so much for spending some time with us on Friday and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's good to be with you today. And uh, I'll tell you what, I was grinning here in that introduction there. It was, that was pretty, pretty special. Thanks a lot. <laughs> well, it's, it's very true. And we're grateful to have you and, and have someone who, like myself, has a very great grasp. On, well, I'm, I'm now bragging on me, but you an insurance agent as well. And so you and I both have uh, day in and day out um conversations with customers about the insurance market. We had a few things hit the media recently, namely insurance increase. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But right now, can you tell our listening audience as chair of the Commerce and Insurance um, uh, Committee, what is some of the legislation that you've worked on dealing with the insurance marketplace and things that you hope uh, that are coming up in the future? Sure. And and before I get going on that, uh, Senator Sawyer, I'm going to need to tell Coble that I, I know he strategically planned his vacation for when I was going to be on <laughs> the, the air. So I'm going to have to get after him for not, uh, for not being there today. Okay, very but well. I, we do hope he, has a, hope he has a good time in it. So, yeah, the, uh, a lot of stuff is going on in the insurance world right now. I know there's been a lot of publicity over the last, um, I'd say, week or week or so, especially regarding uh, property insurance here in North Carolina. Um, the... The reality of it is, is that we've been seeing a hardening of the insurance market, especially in the property space, for a number of years now. Uh, it's it's just been a kind of a gradual uh, move toward that, and it's kind of come to a climax at this point in time due to uh, you look at a number of different factors, but uh, but especially around inflation, the cost of repairs, the cost of supplies, the inability to get supplies. And the one thing that a lot of folks don't understand that really drives these markets is this little thing called reinsurance. And, and mm-hmm. yes, insurance companies buy insurance themselves. And so uh, reinsurance markets tend to be global. And so things that happen in California or Hawaii or Florida or even the Middle East or Asia, it actually can affect inter- or property rates our property mm-hmm. insurance rates in North Carolina. And so that's a hard concept to grasp, but it's almost as if uh, what we're seeing now, there's been a perfect storm that has culminated to some of the stuff that we have uh, seen happening uh, over the last, you know, the last few years, but then now what's, uh, what's been released recently. Um, and, and Senator Sawyer, we've worked together long enough to know that 
I'll just talk, and at some point, I'm going to have to interrupt because I'll just keep rambling. Well, well, no, no, no. You can be brief. I've never seen it before, but I've heard your wife say that you can be brief when you guys are having discussions. So, um, but so, so talk. She just gives me the eyes. <laughs> okay. Well, it's radio, so I'll have to just butt in. Hey, so talk to me. Take your senator hat off for a moment and put on your insurance agent hat. So I am a disgruntled employee or a customer, and I'm seeing in the news right now that there is this rate increase that the insurance carriers have petitioned to the rate bureau. And I will have Joe Stewart on a little bit later to kind of dip, drill into what that means. And I'm worried. I see a 47% rate increase coming across my news feed. What are those conversations you're having with your customers? How do you talk to them about that? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, we This is uh, an occurrence that happens pretty regularly. Um, I want to make sure everyone knows this very important piece of information. The North Carolina Rate Bureau does not sell insurance in North Carolina. So uh, the North Carolina Rate Bureau is a third-party nonprofit organization. It was, in fact, established by general statute, but they are not an insurance company. It is, a, it is made up of a board uh, of appointed folks that, ironically enough, are not appointed by the General Assembly. They're really not tied to the legislature other than the fact that we established them at all. And so, but what they, they are tasked to do is to come up with actuarially sound uh, numbers and kind of set a, a, what we would call a ceiling on rates. And so any insurance company, whether it, I won't name specific carriers, but you see the commercials, you've seen the signs as you go down the road. I mean, you know who these carriers are. Uh, any of these insurance companies can, can charge I won't say whatever they want, but they can file rate well below that if they wish. So mm-hmm. uh, they w- they can file a rate with the commissioner of insurance, and the commissioner of insurance can have either approve or not approve that rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having those discussions with folks uh, to let them know that if the rate bureau releases their uh, rates, which they do regularly, it's a little more uh, energized this year because uh, the rate is a, is a pretty big number. But it's also an election year, so if you go back, and I would encourage any of your listeners that have uh, that have kind of had sticker shock, and quite honestly, Senator Zaria, I think you being in the industry myself, we kind of had it even a little sticker shock mm-hmm. because this percentage does tend look a little higher than normal. Uh, this is a this is a quadrennial. Uh, I had to look that word up, but meaning every four years, uh, there, this is a quadrennial uh, occurrence where there is a um, there's a filing. Uh, by the rate bureau, and then the commissioner will come in and and uh, sue, and then they'll battle, and then uh-huh. they'll end up settling on some lower percentage. And this happens; it happens more often than every four years. But the publicity gets put around it every four years because of election. Yeah. And that, this is not picking on this isn't picking on Commissioner Causey because Commissioner Goodwin did it before him, Commissioner Long did it before him. It's, this is just it's just part of the political nature of the business. And so um, what I would do is tell, uh, I tell folks, sure, pay attention to what the rate bureau puts out or what's publicized. But at the end of the day, understand that's not where it's going to be. And mm-hmm. typically, if a co- if the rate bureau says 40%, they'll settle on 8% mm-hmm. or, or something of that, because it'll go through a legal process. But um, it's for okay. those that aren't in the, in the business day to day, it can be sticker shock. And uh, call your agents, yeah. your, you know, whoever your agent is, call your agent and ask them to kind of give you a heads up. That's that's what 
you know, the customers pay us for is to help advise them and, and keep them in line on these things. Yeah. And Senator Johnson, we just have a little bit of a minute left. It's surprising how fast this goes. Um, but oh, my gosh. Really? I know it is. Now, you're welcome to stay on and hang out with uh, Joe Stewart as he calls up. But um, I want people to know about you and how they can learn more about you. So and what you kind of see as the elevator speech of what you want to work on this next short session to help the insurance marketplace. You got about 30 seconds, sure. my friend. Okay. Uh, so being chair of insurance and commerce in North Carolina, we obviously, as you said, we work in this space a lot. And we're working on legislation. So uh, this past year, for example, a beach plan, increasing the limits on the beach plan so that folks at the coast can insure uh, more property. Yes, that does affect you inland, even if you don't own property, right. just for the nature of, of how everything is a big pool of money with the carriers. Uh, but going forward, I would like to see uh, us uh, establish policy that in, encourages and creates capitalism and yes. uh, competitiveness and, and moving toward where we have a situation where people are actually fighting for our business. And the way right. they're going to fight for our business is better coverage and lower rates. Right. And so creating that environment here, and I think we can do it. Uh, don't underestimate yourself uh, in terms of smart, just being smart in this space, because I want the listeners to know that I come to you a lot for advice on this <laughs> stuff too. And, uh, and so you're very knowledgeable as well. But but I think we can work on that, and it's not going to be an easy fix. And I will caution everybody. It's going to get worse before it gets better. I know you don't want to hear that, but you deserve the truth. And so give us a little time. We'll, we'll do what we can. But um, I'm a conservative, and I, and I have trouble when the government tries to get involved and tell private companies what they can and can't do. Mm -hmm. But I also understand the responsibility of providing some consumer protections. And so trying to strike that balance going forward, I think, is going to be the ultimate goal of what we can do through our committee. Well, thank you, Senator Todd Johnson, so much for calling in. And we will have you back because you definitely have a lot to say. And this is a very complex issue to try to explain in just a few moments that we have here. So thank you so much. And for our listeners, if you want to... Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. And for our listeners, if you do want to learn more about Senator Johnson, you can find him on X at, at Todd Johnson NC35 or his website, votetoddjohnson.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to We're Just Saying with Senator Vicki Sawyer. That is me. I'm here solo in the studio, but not on the phones. Uh, longtime listeners to this radio show and now podcast on WSICnews.com and streaming on social media will know Joe Stewart, Vice President of Government Affairs for Independent Agents in North Carolina. He's also a political commentator and astute observer of all things politics in Raleigh. And you can follow him on X at Joey two gloves. And uh, Joe Stewart, welcome back to the radio show to talk about all things insurance, which kind of encompasses your life right now with all the news uh, as that is out there. Always delighted to join you on a Friday, Senator Sawyer. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Now, okay, so you have this very great skill, and that is being able to describe complex issues to people like me, who may not be able to follow everything. So if you will allow me to ask you a few civics questions, and I'm going to call this Civics 201. You know, this is this is kind of an advanced civ civics lesson because Senator Johnson had gotten into this, what is a rate bureau? What is the insurance commissioner's role? Um, but, you know, that varies differently from state to state. Um, you know, insurance is regulated by the state. So can, can you describe to me the role of the elected commissioner? And then what is 
is this rate bureau that we keep hearing so much about? Yeah, absolutely. Well, only 11 states in America have an elected insurance commissioner, and North Carolina is one of them. In fact, if you go back to 125 years, when that position was created in North Carolina, it was a group of insurance agents that had made the recommendation to the North Carolina General Assembly that the, the necessary nature of insurance to the free market economy, making sure that people had the ability to indemnify themselves from catastrophic loss, was so essential that there needed to be a state regulator to make sure, in large part, that carriers, the insurance companies themselves, were not charging an inadequate amount of money for the coverage they provided. What really is most injurious to the consumer, Senator, is if a company is not charging enough to be able to pay all the claims and run the company, that, that they go out of business. And then the policyholders really end up with nothing. And so that was really the basis of state regulation of insurance in the years after the Civil War across the country there were quite a few high-profile insurance company defaults, and that's really when states, including North Carolina, said, we, we need to put together a more comprehensive regulation. One of the first things that insurance agents recommended after they recommended the creation of a Department of Insurance and the state's constitution was amended to create an elected commissioner's position was that the state also needed to adopt uniform building codes. As mm. insurance agents knew that as the state was beginning to urbanize and the concentration of structures, residential and commercial properties being built in closer proximity to each other as a result of urbanization, that the standards needed to be established to avoid happening in North Carolina what had happened in places like Chicago where a large fire had damaged significantly an urban area. So all of this is about making sure consumers have access to the coverage that they need and that the pricing for that coverage makes sense. In fact, mm -hmm. in the statute of North Carolina, it says that the rate set by the commissioner of insurance can be neither excessive nor inadequate. It has mm -hmm. to be that sweet spot of enough for the carriers to feel comfortable they can offer the coverage uh, in a way that gives them the revenue they need to run their company and to pay the claims that are going to come in, that, that it's not too little or too much. And so Several decades ago, the General Assembly said, we want to make sure that in the promulgation of a rate, that there is a, a, a good faith basis for that determination. And many states created entities known as rate bureaus. North Carolina is one of the last states to have this structure. It compels the carriers to work collaboratively to identify what their losses have been over the previous years to try to determine what factors. And, and the most important thing, Senator, as you well know, is that pricing for insurance is proscriptive. It's what an actuary, somebody that does the mathematical calculations for the actual cost of risk, thinks is likely to happen over the coming years. And so the company is imagining that it will collect premium at a certain level sufficient to anticipate all of the claims that are likely to come in. So a little bit of it is guesswork. Will there be hurricanes? Will there be wildfires? Will there be earthquakes? And so the, the pricing is speculative. And, and when people see a rate filed by the rate bureau and they go, how did they come up with that? It was this very smart mathematician and actuary trying to imagine what would be the necessary amount of premium for all of the perils that mm -hmm. could be imagined as likely to come forward. And so really the rate bureau is just the insurance companies working together to collectively come up with what they think the number is, the premium rate needs to be for that 
probable risk profile that they face going forward. Yeah. And so that's what that number is when you see this 47% increase. That is an average, uh, whereas the state, right, regulates that um, rate. The rate actually is determined by where you live. So I think I saw where, you know, Carteret, some of those beach communities, that rate is 90%, but it's only 4% in some of those far western counties. So this isn't saying 47% to everybody across the board. It is saying that 47% uh, is actually um, depends on where you live, correct? That's exactly right. And, And there is some geography associated with probable risk. As my father once told me, it's very difficult to get into a bar fight if you don't go into the bar. (laughs) To some extent, if you live closer to the coast, then the probability, the possibility of damage from a hurricane is far greater than it might be if you're further inland. So those sorts of factors are Mm -hmm. taken into account in terms of the rate. And the rates are set based on a zone basis. It sort of does allow for that calculation of the risk that is naturally associated with geography. Mm -hmm. And so let's go into this uh, thing or political uh, idea that Senator Johnson had mentioned. And I um, had noticed over time, again, he he had invoked the former insurance commissioner, longstanding insurance commissioner, Jim Long, and maybe this is where this practice began. It seems like this comes up every political season, right, where there is a, oh, my gosh, 47 percent rate increase is coming. And then the insurance commissioner in his white cape and white horse comes in and slashes prices down. Um, We saw this in, surprisingly, 2020, right, when they were asking for about a 27 percent increase and the commissioner kind of bullied it down to 7%. So it seems like we've been here before. Um, talk about that and, and how this is, has worked out. Yeah, there is no doubt the politics of insurance rate making is slightly greater in a state where there is an elected regulator. By comparison, um, North Carolina's elected regulator, California, has an elected regulator. Uh, New York State has an appointed insurance commissioner appointed by the governor. Uh, Both California and New York are very difficult states for insurance carriers, in part because of the nature of the political landscape in those two states. In in North Carolina, it it is not possible for any elected official who serves a regulatory role not to demonstrate to the voters their commitment to be rigorous in their effort to make sure that whatever it is they're regulating is, in effect, the appropriate level that consumers should pay for a thing. And, And that that is a you know an aggressive discussion, particularly in the context of an election year. In part, no one wants to hear that an essential financial service product, which is what insurance is for many people, is going to be more expensive. Now, some of the cost drivers associated with that are beyond the control of both the regulator and, to some extent, even the carriers. Now, we see inflationary pressures have made the cost of the things that have to be repaired or replaced by insurance companies more expensive. If, if it costs more to repair a home because of inflation, then the cost of insuring that home has to be slightly higher. We, we have seen over the last several years high levels of claim activity on the part of natural disaster events that have occurred, the hurricanes. Also think of snowstorms, blizzards, droughts, floods. All of those have insured losses. We've seen significant activity in that regard for the insurance industry over the last several years. And that that adds to the necessary cost factoring for premiums. And this is really tough for people to understand, but insurance is affected by 
in effect, what is a global pot of capital mm -hmm. that is used in, in, at least at some level for what's called reinsurance, the insurance mm -hmm. that an insurance company buys mm -hmm. for some catastrophic level of claim activity they might have. In, in a colossal disaster, the company might have to use its own insurance to pay claims if they've exhausted all of the money they've collected in premium and have stored in reserve, what's known as surplus. Mm -hmm. So if there's a greater premium cost to the carrier, that cost has to be passed along to the consumer. So th yeah. those are all factors beyond the, what the rate bureau is responsible for. But that's what the rate filing includes is yeah. all of those kinds of factors that the carriers collectively see as needing to be reflected in the premium. Yeah. In the last minute and a half that we have here, I do want you to touch on the fact of what is insurance for property doing in other states. I'm thinking of Florida. I am thinking of California because there is this thought with, from consumers that insurance companies must write insurance, but they don't have to write insurance in your state, correct? And in fact, we've seen in Florida where they're pulling out and then you don't complain about how much the insurance is. You complain that you can't even find insurance. Uh, talk about that just for a little bit as we close out. Yeah, absolutely, Senator. You've hit the nail on the head and that that is part of the natural regulatory tension in this is we often say that the commissioner of insurance in North Carolina can compel carriers to conduct themselves in a certain way if they sell insurance in North Carolina. The commissioner of insurance cannot make an insurance mm -hmm. company sell insurance in North Carolina. So that, that rate-making process has to be, at least in part, a calculation on the part of the commissioner of a rate that's adequate to encourage the carriers to be willing to sell coverage in the state. If the rate was inadequate, if the carrier said, we cannot legitimately sell policies with this rate because we can't do it and know that we'll have enough collected revenue to pay the claims, they would stop selling policies in the state. To your example exactly, people would find it more difficult to get coverage. And we're starting to experience some of that very phenomena, particularly in the coastal parts of North Carolina, because of these global factors that are causing economic pressure on the carriers. They're making decisions to pull back from coverage they offer in areas they consider to be more risk likely. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a real phenomena that could impact the economy of North Carolina. If people cannot get coverage, makes it very hard for people that own homes and businesses to feel confident that they can continue on if they can't get coverage for those properties. Thank you, Joe Stewart. Thank you so much uh, for calling into the show and helping us walk through that. It is very complex and complicated, but you are exactly right. We have to have insurance company, companies with the private market right insurance in North Carolina so that we can have continued coverage for everyone. Uh, you guys, that was Joe Stewart, Vice President of Governmental Affairs for Independent Insurance Agents of North Carolina. And you can follow him on X at, at Joey2Gloves. Thank you so much for calling into the show, Joe. Thank you, Senator. Well, welcome back, everybody, to We're Just Saying. We're streaming, li streaming live on WSICnews.com and on social media, YouTube, Facebook, X, and LinkedIn. And right now we have a next guest caller, Andrew Marcus. And now uh, the first part of the show, we have defined and tried to explain the problem and why you're seeing the news. Uh, now we have someone on uh, that is actually going to try to help fix that as the next insurance commissioner uh, for North Carolina. He is registered uh, as a Republican and 
he will be on your Republican ballot as insurance commissioner. And before we bring him on, let me let me tell you a little bit about him. Um, he actually serves as a volunteer firefighter. You had heard Joe Stewart talking about how the insurance commissioner has a role in uh, fire uh, service and, and building codes. And so that's exactly where he's at. He's also a lawyer in private practice uh, and uniquely qualified to bring an outsider's perspective to the role of insurance commissioner. He's represented all sides of the insurance industry, policyholders, small business, doctors, agents, hospitals, and insurers. And without further ado, I want to welcome Andrew Marcus to the show. Thank you so much for calling in, Andrew. No, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, so I was reading your website, um, and like I always do, Crackpot uh, um, journalism like five minutes before the show. And I was surprised. <laughs> I was really surprised to know that you come from 11 generations of North Carolinians. And one of your ancestors actually signed the Mecklenburg Declaration. That is pretty cool. That's that's right. Um, it's uh, it's yeah, I have a lot of family in the Charlotte area. We actually um, uh, I still my great grandfather's store still operates uh, there. It's the wow. Davis General Store in, in Northern. It's, I think it's in Huntersville now, but uh, a lot of family in the area, a lot of family in Asheboro as well. I'm actually it's not on my website because he's a Democrat, but I'm also <laughs> my grandfather was first cousins with Governor Sanford. Wow. Uh, Sanford too. So uh, even though, even though, as we'll talk about, I'm, I'm from Florida, I, I have a lot of roots in North Carolina and I absolutely love it here. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, and actually, Huntersville is in our listening area for WSIC. So we're go visit the Davis store and, and know, maybe you can say, I know Andrew Marcus is. Um, now, you, you, like we <laughs> said, <laughs> like you, we just said you are new to our listening audience and some across North Carolina, but you're not new to insurance. Tell me a little about what you're doing now and, and your background. Thank you. Yeah. So, so I'm a lawyer. Uh, I'm a lawyer by trade. I, uh, after law school, a little bit about me and my background is that I actually started work as a, as a prosecutor, as a criminal prosecutor, working with law enforcement to investigate and prosecute um, criminal law and violations of criminal law, which I, I think helps me kind of down the road and would help me as a a regulator. But but after that, I moved to actually Florida's um, Department of Insurance, their equivalent. Uh, and I worked there and I, you know, I found out that just how important insurance was and how, how it touches the lives of every person. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people have multiple policies, two, three, four policy types of insurance. Uh, and, and while I was at the department, I worked at uh, similar issues that that happened at the North Carolina Department, you, re- reviewing of contracts, insurance contracts, rates, uh, as as you just talked about with with Joe Stewart, um, and then also uh, I led personally led investigations of insurance companies, uh, misconduct, uh, which resulted in hundreds of thousands of dollars of fines. And it, while there, though, I, I really realized that a regulator needs to have private sector experience. And, and I was, wanted to join the private sector. So, so I moved into the private sector, actually started my own small business, a law firm. And then uh, I moved to another law firm and, and I practiced as in-house counsel as well, uh, really getting to know any stakeholders uh, and representing policyholders, uh, agents, insurance agencies, uh, insurance companies, mm-hmm. really everybody with a perspective in the insurance industry, even provider, healthcare providers like doctors and hospitals. Uh, 
so many people touch on insurance as we've we've talked about. And mm-hmm. so I really do bring in that holistic perspective and uh, worked in all kinds of insurance, like life and health and property and casualty, casualty and just learning how complicated and important that insurance mm-hmm. is. And so my wife and I moved up to North Carolina. I was uh, really happy to get a chance to, to move up here after, after visiting, as you've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, you know, we've, we've really settled in and absolutely love it here in North Carolina. I'm so grateful to hear that folks, when they move here, that they love North Carolina because it's, it's where I've called home all my life and I, I continue to love it mm-hmm. even more. It's, it's a dynamic state. And now as a North Carolinian, um, you've decided that you wanted to run for insurance commissioner. Um, talk to me about why you decided to run and, and you've already kind of really articulately define the skill set that you can bring, which is quite refreshing for me, mm-hmm. in fact, because it is insurance is the Illuminati of the world, I think, because they <laughs> control everything that we do from the pen I'm holding to the car I'm driving to the life insurance policy that will hopefully make uh, my family wealthy if I should go before they do. So uh, talk to me why you decide to run uh, for North Carolina Insurance Commissioner. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll say it was a tough decision. I, I filed and announced in December of, of 2023, just in during filing uh, season, but it was something that I really felt compelled to do. I, I kind of took a step back and realized that no other candidate is uniquely qualified as I am to, to take on the role. And as well as um, it's so incredibly important to have somebody that can step into the job on day one. I think our current commissioner is is just too focused on petty, divisive, unproductive politics. And we need somebody who's really more interested in fighting for North Carolinians than actually fighting against the legislature or fellow Republicans. Uh, and uh, as your previous guests uh, have mentioned, we're heading into a very hard market. Uh, reinsurance costs are increasing. Um, you know, it, it is a global footprint reinsurance, but mm-hmm. we also, most of these companies are located in like Bermuda and their regulator is also increasing and restricting regulations, which is going to increase the cost of capital and the cost of the reinsurance even more. So we need a, an effective commissioner who can take a step in on day one and actually work on policies and work and fight for the policy holders so that um, so that mm-hmm. we actually get protections and, and an effective competitive market. Yeah, Andrew, and you saw it firsthand as a Floridian. We talked about that a little bit with Joe Stewart, but what are and where are we at in North Carolina that you see we may be dangerously heading down the way of Florida? Well, exactly. So, I mean, not not only Florida. Uh, I've actually had the opportunity to work with regulators and and markets across the country, as well as some globally. And you you pointed out California, Florida, also Louisiana. All these are are very very tough markets with some of the highest costs of insurance. And a lot of those things is like Florida's market. Um, it's been developing like that for 30 years. It's it's tiny law changes or small law changes or political changes that happen to really crafted to protect special interests. And mm-hmm. these things culminate and compound. And so now when you have lots of catastrophes, lots of hurricanes or lots of wildfires in the case of California, these things compound and um are not helped by the the politics and the law changes that have hurt that have happened 
over the last 30 years. And, you know, again, like, like Joe mentioned, you have companies that take in a dollar premium and are paying out maybe a dollar and 30 or dollar 50 in claims for every dollar premium and no company is going to be able to sustain that. So you have companies leaving the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that we need to do now and actually affect policy changes so that we have a competitive, stable market, but also one that's affordable for North Carolinians. You are talking my tune. I totally appreciate that. Thank you so much because you are right. It are it is this death by a thousand cuts, right? That and and it seems because insurance is so complicated, it is just complicated um, that it's hard to get in a political soundbite why you need to make this political change. And if all you're doing is fighting with the General Assembly, then you're really hurting North Carolinians on the whole. And I appreciate your approach, uh, especially from a regulator's perspective that have been there, done that, and you see the dangers in these silly political fights. Um, question for you. You also are a lawyer and a dad and now a North Carolinian, but you're a volunteer firefighter. Tell me about that. Have you always been in the uh, fire service? I I have not. No. So just to be clear, I've just started a year ago volunteering. um, Okay. And uh, I I absolutely love it. Uh, It's always something I've been interested in. But when I grew up, where I grew up in in Florida, it is not a, the volunteer service is not nearly as robust. It's more career driven, career firefighters. And so when I got the opportunity to move up to North Carolina and serve uh, as a volunteer firefighter, I just, I absolutely love it. And and I'm learning from these guys from actual, you know, the other firefighters, the career firefighters, the career or the volunteer firefighters who spend most, if not all of their time actually serving North Carolinians. And, and they are truly heroes. It's it's really what I've learned is, is how much I respect them. And I'll say that that's really what motivated me to run as well. Uh, it's some of the, the nasty political fights that our current commissioner is doing, that is a disservice uh, to the firefighters, uh, such as advocating against uh, the firefighter um, cancer funding bill uh, because it also took away some of his political power. And Mm -hmm. and again, it's just this petty kind of divisive politics that the current commissioner is doing is what motivated me to run, especially when it's it's acting against the interests of the fire service. Absolutely. um, And on the insurance side, policyholders. Right. Um, Andrew, we only have a few moments left here. So before you leave, tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and connect with you um, and possibly donate to your campaign if they should uh, like what they heard. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, please go to Marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S, 4-F-O-R-N-C.com. So that's Marcus4NC.com. Uh, and you can see all about me and my policies and, and donate and please donate. Uh, uh, and you can learn more about me. Very good. Thank you so much, Andrew Marcus, for Insurance Commissioner. Thank you for calling to uh, the show. And we hopefully we'll have you back on uh, short in a few moments. So thank you so much. Thank you. We'll return with more of NC Senator Vicki Sawyer, and we're just saying after this short break on 1059 100.7 WSIC. Now back to We're Just Saying with North Carolina Senator Vicki Sawyer on 1059 100.7 WSIC.
Welcome back, everybody, to our last segment of We're Just Saying. And I want to uh, ask for forgiveness for fumbling through that last little bit of uh, saying goodbye to Commissioner Candace. Commissioner Candidate Andrew Marcus. Um, I do believe we have a caller on the line, but remember, you too can call into the studio at 844-STUDIO-4. That's 844-788-3464. We're also streaming live on WSICnews.com and social media, YouTube, Facebook, X, and LinkedIn. And I do believe uh, Engineer Extraordinaire Bill has told me that there is a caller on the line. Uh, welcome to the show. You're on with We're Just Saying. Uh, Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Sir Sawyer? Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, I'm uh, here. This is uh, Tommy. I was calling in for Statesville. Can you hear me? I, I can now. Yes. Thank you so much. I can hear you, sir. Go right ahead with your question. Uh, yeah, well, I was, I was calling in about the uh, I was calling in about the guy running for insurance commissioner. Okay, sure. What you got? Well, I was just uh, I, I, well, I've been a volunteer firefighter for twenty five years, and he, he's absolutely right. And the the stuff that's happened with the fire service over the last six months is wrong. It's just it's just wrong, and I'm glad somebody's stepping up. The uh, the attacks on Brian Taylor and other guys that have been with us for so long, that was just wrong of our current commissioner, and I, I look forward to having someone in there who's going to support firemen. Thank you. Well, Tommy, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for the call, Tommy. Um, So for those of us uh, who haven't been in tune to the caller's um frustration with what was happening with the fire service is that um, we had pretty public uh, disagreement with the current insurance commissioner about how um, the fire service should be treated in North Carolina. So going back to the conversation that we had with uh, Andrew Marcus, uh, the insurance commissioner is uh, the person until recently who actually was the head fire chief of North Carolina. That was something I believe that had happened maybe uh, 60 years ago, I can't remember, uh, where they combined uh, the fire service with the insurance commissioner because, uh, again, insurance is the Illuminati of the world. Um, but also uh, insurance uh, is very heavily tied to fire. In fact, um, that was kind of the beginning or the impetus of the uh, property insurance in North Carolina, or actually in, in the United States. If you ever walk down like Charleston and you see these round plaques or any historic uh, colonial town and you see these round plaques, those are actually insurance plaque so they used to put on outside of your home because that way you knew that you had an insurance policy and the fire service would actually go and put water on the house that had the inch plaque or the insurance plaque on it um, and not the one that didn't. So that was the beginning of fire service. In fact, uh, the insurance industry started um, the Grand Old Opry, and they refunded a lot of that stuff. It's actually National Life and Accident uh, was the one who was the beginning of um, the uh, news or, or the radio stations in Grand Ole Opry up there as a way to market their products. So you can see this this theme of going through and how the fire service and insurance has, has been around for a long, long time. Um, there had been a lot of... Uh, consternation about coverage for firemen and women who in the line of service who got cancer. Um, you saw a lot of it from 
uh, the firefighting foam that they had used uh, as a suppressant, a fire suppressant that did have a chemical um, and uh, direct correlation to uh, cancer. And so these men and women who were putting their lives on the line for us to save us were actually um, having trouble down the road. So there was a gosh, it was a it was a big deal before I even got there um, about trying to get coverage for this. And uh, the General Assembly worked very uh, hand in hand with Brian Taylor and a lot of those folks uh, in that fire service community to get this coverage for those men and women who worked to protect us. Um, and it was uh, kind of fought against by our current commissioner, which started uh, the beginning of the end, I think, of that uh, collegial relationship between the two. So uh, thank you, Tommy, for that call. Uh, that's a little bit about why and where we talk about fire service and that 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 rub. Um, you will have uh, seen, and if you want to Google and, and read a little bit more about it, please do. Um, but we have now uh, allowed and taken the fire service out of the direct uh, control of the insurance commissioner. There will be now an entire uh, department. Now, the insurance commissioner will appoint the head of that um, fire service, but they will have their own department, which in the future, the idea is when it does come for things that the fire service needs to advocate for on behalf of their members, then there will be a nice tug and pull between the insurance commissioner and the and the fire service so that we can make sure that, uh, that we get the best policy for all and there won't be that conflict of in interest there between insurance companies and insurance and, and fire service folks. Um, again, if if you want to call and be a part of the show, the studio phone number is 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464. We do want to promote something. I thought we would uh, have a fellow named Shane Nixon, who's the executive director of DACI, the Drug and Alcohol Coalition of Iredale County. Uh, he was to call in, but um, just want to let you know that there is a great community event coming up for him on February 5th. It's uh, called In the Know, a community conversation with author, special guest Sam Kionez, who is going to be uh, leading people through uh, the ins and outs of drug and alcohol addiction, uh, addiction and how we uh, as those who are loved ones of those who are going through those issues uh, can access community services in and around uh, the, um, in and around Iredale County and North Mecklenburg. Um, and also want to go back a little bit to this conversation about insurance and kind of, I guess, put my two cents in on the whole deal. Um, the guest callers were right. This is a political play, and I'm going to kind of put my own spin on it and probably a little bit drill a little bit harder. Um, they were being very nice. Um, this is just a political game that gets played every four years during uh, a, a presidential cycle or when you see an insurance commissioner on the ballot. So again, the rate bureau comes out with an absorbent rate in this instance, it was 47% increase or 42% increase. Um, and they're saying that if you're in coastal counties like New Hanover or Brunswick and Pender, so think Wilmington area, that your rate could increase as high as 99.4%. Um, and then again, um, but on average in North Carolina, 42%. They're saying those rates are to become effective August 1st. 
this happened in 2020. So again, um, just look at it. And uh, in some of the articles they're talking about now uh, from the Department of Insurance are saying, well, just look back at 2020. The request for the average increase was 24.5%. And the insurance commissioner beat up on those mean on insurance companies at 7.9% increase. And I really find this whole exercise disingenuous, to be quite honest with you. Um, and again, I uh, like uh, Joe Stewart, I think, said it's not talking about this one commissioner. It's the same way that regulatory framework has been set up over time. Um, in that 2020 request for an average increase that went down to 8, you know, 8%, 7.9%, so let's just say 8%, um, then you'll see that in that settlement, they required the Bureau to wait until 2024 to request another increase. So ding, 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 2020, what was that? Presidential election, the commissioner's on the ballot. 2024, guess what? You insurance companies, you have to wait four years in order to ask for an increase. Well, think about your bottom line in 2020 and what 2024, how much more expensive it is every day in your everyday life. And if insurance companies had to withhold and keep their rates the same for those four years, then that you can see why it is coming back in spades. Um, and then also another thing, thought that Senator Johnson had put down, and I really want to drill this down. This is not the rate that it is going to be. This is the maximum rate that insurance carrier can charge for coverage. If the insurance carrier should go above the rate bureau's rate, so in other words, this is like the ceiling, you have to be notified and you have to be um, sign off what's called a consent to rate form. In other words, you consent to pay to a higher rate than what the rate bureau means. But bottom line is, is if when you get your bill and you see that your rate has gone up, your first call should be to your insurance agent. You need to call them directly and see what is there or anything that I can do um, to lower my rate. You can do something like a deductible. Remember, a deductible is the amount of money, especially for your home policy, that um, you uh forego in a claim. So in other words, if you have a $10,000 water leak and it's going to cost $10,000, your deductible, your in theory, your deductible would be the amount that the insurance company pays out. So 95, if it's a $10,000 leak, $9,500, if you have a $500 deductible would be your deductible. Um, when I first started in the business, I saw $250 deductibles. And now it's more common that you look for people to have a $1,000 deductible or $2,500 deductible. In some instances, a $5,000 or $10,000 deductible. Those are all personal choices that you can make to help uh, lower that rate down. There's other things that you can do to make sure that your policies are cheaper. If you you do not have your home insurance and your auto insurance together. So say you have one with me, your home with me and your home auto with Todd Johnson's agency. You need to combine those two policies. There's something called a multi-policy discount that is a big savings. Make sure you ask your agent that. At the end of that conversation, if you don't get the rate that you feel like you need or you just need to figure something out, it is okay to take your policies and share them with other agencies. In fact, I encourage you to get additional quotes from other people so that you can compare and contrast. Because again, this increase that is being um, 
put out there by the rate bureau doesn't mean that your policy will go up 40%. It just means the maximum the insurance companies can pay or charge you. But you have the ultimate authority and you can shop your own insurance. Um, I want to thank you all for sticking with us on an insurance Friday. I know it's not always the most fun of conversations, but this is an area that you need to be educated and tooled upon so that you can make the best decisions for you and your family and at the ballot box in March. Thank you so much for listening to We're Just Saying. The new 1059 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, Mooresville, North Charlotte.